Happy New Year to you and good morning today. It's good to be with you again. I'm grateful as always uh, to Eric for the opportunity to share God's word with you uh, while he is away. And I trust that this is a good time away for Eric and his family during this Christmas season. And I hope that you've had a good Christmas season in spite of any changes that you might have had to make in your plans. People have been celebrating the birthday of Jesus on December 25th, at least since the year 336. There was a notice in a Roman almanac that the Church of Rome, in December 25th of 336, held a festival to celebrate Christ's birth. Now, we really don't know why people began to celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. There's something that's been called the history of religions theory. Some think that when the Roman Emperor Constantine was converted to Christianity, he may have intended for Christmas to replace a pagan religion festival that was observed on December the 25th. Then there's the calculation theory. In ancient times, some people thought that Jesus was crucified on December 25th. Excuse me, March 25th. Well, there was this Jewish way of thinking that great things would often happen at the same time of the year. And so by this theory... Some people also figured that Jesus must have been conceived on March 25th in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. Count nine months from March 25th, and you get December 25th as Christmas. Well, in the end, we really aren't sure of the reason why people chose December 25th as the date for Christmas, the date to celebrate Jesus' birthday. But what is clear is that no one this side of heaven really knows the date on which Jesus was born. And one day that caused me to do a little bit of thinking. I won't call it pondering like Mary did. Maybe it's more like idle wonderment. But just suppose that Jesus was born in another month, say the month of September, and that was when we observed Jesus' birthday. What difference would it make in the way that we celebrate Christmas? Now I'm not talking about the implications for weather, dreaming of a white Christmas and all that sort of thing. What I'm talking about is the way that Christmas and New Year's Day are like bookends for the last week of the year. If Christmas came in September, would the schools give the students a long vacation so near the start of the school year? Or would there just be one day off for Christmas or maybe two days off if you also included Christmas Eve? Would people 
travel as much to visit family if Christmas was in September? Or would there be a longer winter break at New Year's Day and more people would travel then? Well, I admit that these questions are the musings of somebody who needed to be doing something else. But I think that they do point to the reality that much of the activity that we engage in at Christmas time is impacted by the fact that Christmas and New Year's Day occur so close together. And now to get a bit theological. Maybe there is something very appropriate about the way that Christmas and New Year's Day, the beginning of the new year, are linked. Because what happened at Christmas makes all the difference for what we're to do with each day that God gives to us in every new year. Paul tells us we are to live carefully. And he gives, some, gives us some guidance about how we're to go about living our lives in light of the fact that Jesus Christ has come into our world. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul isn't telling us that we need to be cautious about how we move our feet and get from here to there. From his Hebrew heritage, Paul is using the word walk in a metaphorical way to mean live. Paul says, in effect, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. We're called to live wisely in God's wisdom. And in order to do this, we need to be very careful about our lives. The word we translate careful comes from a root word that means pointed. There's the idea of being pointed towards something. There's the idea of being focused on something and doing something with close attention to detail. Paul is telling us that our lives need to be on target. And the target is what God intends for us. The target is what pleases God. In other words, Paul is saying that we need to be living with a purpose in view. And this purpose is God's purpose for our lives. Somebody has said that there are more than 1,000 references to the fact that God has a plan and purpose for our lives in the Bible. Now, I've never counted them all, but the Bible is direct about it. God does have his intention for us. And we can summarize it in just a few sentences. God wants each one of us to have a personal relationship with him through our faith in Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow spiritually, to become like Jesus. God wants us to share his love with other people as we minister to them and as we tell them about the good news of Jesus. Anything else that God may have in mind for us as particular, unique individuals 
is going to fit into this larger framework of God's purpose for us. This is God's target. This is God's target for each one of us. And we need to be very careful as we're pointed toward this target and fulfilling that purpose that God has for us. The observation, observation has been made that most people live their lives at one of three levels. The level of survival, or the level of success, or the level of significance. Some people are just trying to survive in life. Maybe that survival is literal. They're just looking for food and shelter and the other basic necessities of life. But there are some people that have a big pantry and a big house, bought with money from a big bank account. And they're still just trying to make it through the day. They're just drifting along in life. Their lives are just about empty and devoid of real meaning. They are living at the level of survival. And then there are people who are living at the level of success. They've aimed their sights at the goal of what they consider to be success. They're looking at the top of that ladder that they've set out to climb. They're trying to strike it rich. They're wanting to be the fastest rodent in the rat race. They're wanting to make it big in life and then even bigger. And then there's life that's lived at the level of significance. This is a life that really makes a difference. And the life that makes the biggest difference, the life that makes an eternal difference, is the life of a person who is focused on God's purpose for our lives. The person who is living on target, who is living on God's target, is the person who is living a life of significance. Somebody has said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. If you always keep on doing something in the same way that you've always done it, you'll always keep being in the same place where you are. And maybe that's okay if we're in the right place. But maybe where we are is living life at the level of survival. Or maybe it's living life at that level of success. But God calls us to be living our lives at that level of significance. And what this means is that some of us may need to be doing something else other than what we've always done. We need to be pointing our lives toward God's target for us. And not toward all those other things that we can point our lives toward. In the words of Paul, we need to be living very carefully. And if we're living carefully, if we're being very careful about our lives and focused on God's target for us, 
then Paul says that we'll be making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul is talking about the time and the opportunities that we have every day. And he uses a word here that literally means to redeem or to buy back or to exchange for something of value. Maybe we can get at what Paul is saying by thinking about those coupons that come in the mail or maybe a Sunday paper if you still get a Sunday paper in hard copy. Have you ever clipped a coupon with the intention, every intention of using it? And then you set it aside in a drawer or someplace else. And maybe a month or two later you come across that coupon again and you just throw it away. Because, because now it's expired. Paul reminds us that our time and the opportunities that come to us every day are like a coupon that has an expiration date. And we need to be sure that we redeem the coupon before that date on the coupon is passed. We need to live our lives well and to take hold of all of the opportunities that we have before it's too late and the day is expired and the time has run out and the opportunities are gone. Time is something that God gives to us every day as a gift. And Paul says if we don't use it wisely, if we don't make the investment of our time in the best way, and that is by following God's purpose for our lives, if we don't be wise about our time, then evil is just waiting to step in. Things that don't align with God's purpose for us. Things that don't reflect God's priorities for us. Things that don't match up with God's values. All of these things will just crowd into our lives and use up all of our time. We need to make sure that we're being very careful to redeem our time and to cash in all of those opportunities that we have every day. We need to guard against losing our time. Now I suppose when we think about losing time, maybe the first image that comes to mind is somebody who's just wasting time, somebody who's just throwing time away. Maybe the person is too casual. Maybe they're too complacent. Maybe they're even too lazy. But they're just letting the opportunities slip away and responsibilities go unmet. And certainly time can be lost in this way. But I imagine most of us here don't waste our time like this and throw it away like this. We have more than enough things to keep us busy. But still, it is possible that we may not use our time wisely and we may lose our time. Somebody has compiled a list of all the ways the experts and consultants in the various fields of life recommend that we allot our time every day. 30 minutes for exercise. 
45 minutes for personal grooming, 45 minutes with news sources to keep up with current events, 50 minutes to care for our pets, one to two hours to keep our house in order, two hours for errands, one and a half hours for grocery shopping and food preparation, 18 minutes for dental hygiene, four hours for care of children at home, 50 minutes of undivided attention to your spouse, at least two hours of volunteer service every week, two hours a day to work in the garden, at least 30 minutes for prayer, seven to eight hours of sleep, and in addition, people work seven to ten hours a day with up to an hour and a half in commuting. You put all this together and you get everything done that you need to do, at least according to the consultants and the experts. And I guess it's a good plan if you've got about 40 hours a day. But we don't have even 40 minutes beyond the 24 hours that we're given. And so we need to make some decisions about how we're going to use our time. And the challenge for most of us is how to discern between what is the best and what is merely the good in the use of our time. We need a guide. We need a target. And that's the target that Paul has been telling us our lives need to be pointed toward. We need to stay focused on God's purpose for our lives as we seek to determine what is the best use of our time and what is only a good use of our time. When we have more things to do than we have the time to do them or to do them well, we need to ask, what things will best help me to fulfill God's purpose for my life? What things will best help me to carry out God's calling on my life? What things will best help me become like Jesus? What things will best help me to be like Jesus to somebody else? What things are God's best things for me right now? We need to exchange that coupon of our time and our opportunities for something that's the greatest value. And the greatest value is God's purpose for us. It's God's best for us. Again, in the words of Paul, we need to be very careful about life. And then Paul tells us, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to seek to understand the Lord's will, because when we're being wise and not foolish, then we're going to be following God's will for us. Everything about our lives is going to be aligned to God's will. Who we are, who we're becoming, where we are, where we're going. Everything about our lives is going to be directed to God's will for us. But if we're not careful, we can get off track. A few years ago, my wife and I were on vacation and we had to take an interstate highway that we never traveled on before. And 
So we decided to get out this old GPS that was stashed away in the car. We were heading down the highway and unexpectedly the GPS tells us that we need to get off at the next exit. Well, that didn't seem right because we were headed in the direction that we needed to go, but we thought maybe this GPS knew something we didn't know. So we went ahead and took that exit off the interstate highway. It turned out that the road the GPS wanted us to take was closed except for local traffic because a bridge was being repaired. And so we looped around and we got back on the interstate highway and the GPS just couldn't take it. The voice in the GPS started saying, recalculating, turn to the highlighted route. Recalculating, turn to the highlighted route. And when you looked at the icon of the car on the GPS screen, that little thing was just turning around like it was in the middle of a field somewhere. And so we finally just cut it off. And what had happened was that stretch of inter interstate highway was fairly new. And we hadn't updated our GPS for several years. The maps in that GPS were out of date and it couldn't guide us to where we needed to go. We needed some different maps. And the truth of the matter is, we may need a different map when it comes to the most important journey we ever make. And that's the journey of our lives. If we're following any other map, but God's map for us, we need a different map. If we're following any other way but the way of Jesus, we need a different map. We need to follow that map of God's will for us that's contained in His Word. We need to follow that map of God's will for us that's embodied in Jesus. We need to follow the counsel of others in the body of Christ who can help us discern that map of God's will for us. We need a map that is a map that's directed toward that target that God has for us. As we travel that journey of life, every one of us, we need to be very careful about the map we're following and understand what the will of the Lord is. And maybe we can think here again about that link between Christmas and the beginning of the new year. The Christmas story comes to its conclusion with people making a journey. Luke tells us, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And Matthew says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. The shepherds returned, and the wise men returned. They returned to that place where they had been living their lives. The shepherds returned to their fields and all of their sheep. 
The wise men returned to their lookouts where they studied the stars. In the places where the shepherds and the wise men lived, things were just the same for them. But at the same time, everything was changed for them too. They did travel by another route, so to speak. They now saw things from a new perspective. They now had a new map for navigating their lives because they had seen the promised Messiah and the Savior of the world. I suppose today marks the end of the holiday season for us this year. And tomorrow, most folks will go back to their routine patterns of life, whatever they are in a pandemic world. When a new year comes, there can be a lot of expectation. We can make our resolutions and all of that, and we can hope this year things will be different. We can hope we can start over and leave some things behind in the old year in the past. But it doesn't always happen like this, does it? We can find ourselves returning to the same old family issues and relationship problems and tensions in society and pressures at work and challenges at school and unfulfilled plans and dreams and personal heartaches. Things can seem to be just the same for us. But really, at the same time, everything can be changed for us too because of Christmas. Because God came into our world in person in Jesus, we can return and travel by another route. We can navigate life by another map. There is no promise that all of our circumstances, all of our situations will suddenly be different. We're still going to deal with problems and challenges and struggles. Those things may still be there for us. But now because God has come to us in Jesus Christ at Christmas, we can see things in a new light. We can make that journey of life with a new map. Because of Christmas, we have that assurance, we have that certainty that God is a God of grace. And God loves us and God is always present with us. And God does have his will for us to follow in the journey of our lives, but God is always a God of redemption when things get off track. And that makes all of the difference. What happened at Christmas provides for us a way forward into the new year. Because what happened at Christmas provides us with that certainty that the most important realities in life are always grace and forgiveness and peace and joy and faith and hope and love. And all of these realities give us a new way of seeing things in life. All of these realities give us a new map to travel by. 
no matter where we're returning, no matter where our journey in life may take us. But there's something else we have to know. Living carefully as Paul describes it. That's not something we can do by ourselves, in our own strength, with our own ingenuity. This is why Paul tells us we need for God to be at work in our lives. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, we need to drink up the power of God. We need to open our lives wide and take in the power of God's Spirit. And God will help us to live that best life that He has for us. We need to open up our lives to God's presence and let God direct our lives. God does want us to be very careful about our lives. But God also cares fully about us. And God will give us that power to live that life that he has for us in Jesus. This is more than just some hopeful resolution like ones that we might make at the beginning of the year. This is God's faithful promise to us. Each day, every day, in every year. And so here is the way for us to go about living because Christmas has come and the new year is upon us. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray? Father, as this holiday season draws to its conclusion, in a world in which so much has been disrupted, We have that assurance that you're always with us and you love us and you're here for us in that journey of our lives. Help us to live our lives carefully and faithfully and boldly. Join on the strength and the power of your spirit in keeping our lives targeted on you. For we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.